You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, and spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Welcome back, friends, and thank you for listening. Today, I am joined with my beautiful friend, Shonda. Good morning, Shonda, and thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having me. So this this podcast is for a very small demographic of people. Very small. It's not for everybody. It's only for those people who have experienced or are experiencing or will experience conflict in their lives. And we know that nobody has conflict in their lives. However, <laughs> maybe it's that me and you, we just have enough for everybody for else. everybody else, exactly. Out. Right. So today we're coming on and we're going to talk a little bit about conflict, conflict resolution and what conflict resolution means, what it looks like and what it means for a believer's life. Yeah. Shonda, why don't you give us the definition of conflict? So I looked it up and it was pretty interesting. It's not interesting, but very accurate. (laughs) Conflict arises from differences, both large and small, and it occurs when people disagree over their values, motivations, perceptions, ideas, or desires. And sometimes these differences appear trivial, but when a conflict triggers strong feelings, a deep personal need is often the core of the problem. And I I just think it stems from our need to be valued and heard. James chapter four, verses one through three says, to resolve conflicts, judge your selfish motives. James four, one through three tells us to submit to God. And it tells us where fights, quarrels, or conflicts comes from. And it reads, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire, that battle within you? Wait, my own desires? Okay, wait. It comes definitely from other difficult people. It says, no, in verse two, it says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, mm. I, I feel like too, like this, just as you were saying that, I think that our conflict really just, or we would have no conflict if we would deny self and lay down our need to be right rather than reconciled. How many times, especially like in our marriages or not in your, our marriages, my marriage, my desire to be right is, is often greater than my desire to be reconciled to my husband because I want to be right. Most times I am, but um, I'm, I'm being totally sarcastic, but you know, I, I really think that it's just a, a lack of willingness to to deny self and be humble and and want the resolution or the reconciliation from the conflict. So we're going to talk about, first of all, just some ways, some practical tips to avoid or resolving conflict in a biblical manner. But I just want to chime in on what you said. I struggle with wanting to be right. Because I honestly, I do feel like I am usually right. I really do. Like I say that kiddingly, but I really am almost always right. And so I have this pride issue that says, well, I'm always right and you're always wrong. So you should hear what I have to say instead of quieting my heart and considering um, if there's pride involved, you're probably wrong. And even if you're right about the topic, you're wrong about the motive. Yes. So just hush it and pay attention to other people. We start off our list 
with listening actively. So what's the difference between listening and listening actively? I mean, I think listening actively is is actually trying to figure out the, the problem rather than just lending an ear where you're, yeah. you know, or when you're at dinner with your family and you have your phone and you're not really listening to the conversation, but you chime in when you feel like talking. I think that that's not really listening. That's listening, not listening actively, not trying to figure out what's, what's actually going on with the person rather than Hello, listen to me. Okay, I'm done listening to you. Now it's time yes, for me to You've talk. already spoken. It's my turn. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, especially in conflict, I'm listening to react. Yeah. I'm not listening to understand. Exactly. And I'm certainly not listening to look for opportunities to die to self, which means putting others first. I'm not listening for opportunities to show compassion or kindness. I'm listening for opportunities so that I can respond and win my case. Gosh, that's so true. Oh my gosh, I have the chills. Like that is so true. How how different would our lives look? Our marriages, our homes, our friendships, our the way we interact with with people that we work with, if we really thought like that instead of thinking how to respond. How can I hear you better and how can I help you in just the way that I I love you and care for you and respond to what you're trying to get across rather than me wait, looking for that opening to interject. <laughs> and we do it with God. I will, if I'm in a conflict, I need God's guidance. And so I will open my Bible, but I am searching for a Bible verse that will prove my point. I am not searching to deepen my relationship with the Lord. I'm certainly not searching to be corrected or disciplined by the Lord. So I'm not really searching the scriptures to hear God's voice. And that is where Man, you and I, I know we have both experienced this because we've spoken about it many times when we do open the word and we are, even if we're not open, the Holy scriptures are powerful and they are active. And even if I'm going looking for one thing, I can remember a time in my life. I remember my stepfather had just passed away. I was alone at their house, closing their house up for the last time. I was very broken, very sad, very depressed. And I was looking for a way out of a lot of things. And I wanted scripture to lead me. And instead I opened it to, I believe it's second Timothy three, where it talks about to offer prayers for those that are in leadership positions, Kings, and including husbands and bosses and everything else. And I remember crying and weeping because I understood what God was calling me to do at that time. So I think we can always go to the word and the Holy spirit can always speak to us. But when we come to the word and we say, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to know your heart. Reveal yourself to me in a different way. Why is it that when we come to a conflict with somebody that we love, we're not seeking that same prayer? Lord, help me to understand their heart. Yeah. Show me where their heart is coming from. What, what trauma are they expressing? What are they reliving? What are they, you know, what are they feeling right now? And I love Dr. Lydia's halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. When you have any of those four feelings, you should not be trying to address a conflict during that time when you or the other person is feeling that because we're on edge. We're not our very best selves. It's so true. It's so true. And hurt people hurt people. I th That saying is so, it couldn't be more true. When somebody's hurting, it, it they'll respond in a way that's ugly. Hurt people hurt people. You know what I read the other day? Healed people heal people. Oh my gosh. That's so good. What? And I'm like, okay, cause I want to tell you, I know some hurt people that have hurt people and yeah. I'm, I'm going to include myself. I've hurt a lot of people I'm sure in my life. I think we all have, yeah. I can take ownership of that. However, 
now can I take ownership of if I'm seeking the Lord and I'm seeking to be healed and whole, can I then seek to help others become healed and whole by bringing in Jesus to the conflict? Yeah. Where's God in all of this? Gosh, it's so true. And it always seems to happen, especially like in our inner relationships, our our children, our our siblings, our parents, our, our spouses. It I feel like so many times in those relationships, if you can make those relationships work, like what you were saying, healed people, heal people, you're going to have a much greater success outside. They always say those relationships determine how you interact with everybody else. But it's true. Gosh, I wish that I could do that. I so many times I just want to fix the problem rather than let God fix the problem. I know what's going to fix you. So just listen to me because I am so much better at dealing with your problems than you are. And and obviously God's busy. So I'll just take care of it. Not the way that it should be handled. (laughs) That's why I love the fellowship of believers, same hearted, same minded people, because you see my weaknesses in a way that I can't see it. And I can see your weaknesses. And then when I feel loved and secured in a relationship, I'm able to hear that other person as they point out my painful flaws. That hurts. Yeah. Looking at our flaws and weaknesses hurt. So I think that's why it's so important not to isolate yourself in conflict. You need at least one trusted Christian friend that you can run to and say, I'm broken, I'm hurt. I'm not. And hopefully that person will help you, help you point you to God, love you, show you compassion, And then one of our next things is speaking the truth in love. And when we are going to speak the truth in love to others, it's that old adage, do unto others as you wish them to do unto you. Right. So how do I want truth to be spoken to me? I would like for it to be bathed in love and compassion. I can hear you better if you compliment me first, if you say what I'm doing right, so I don't feel attacked. My pastor always says, say three positive things about a person before you address what what the downfall, what the issue is. It's so true. Yeah. So you could say, you know, Shonda, you're always available to help people in need. And you have a heart that's willing to run into ministry. And I value that. And Shonda, I know that you are always a faithful prayer partner, but I'm seeing that sometimes when you're talking to your husband, that you have a tone that's different. You're going to take that a lot different and if I say, you need to stop talking to your husband like that. Although I think that we're all in a place. Well, yeah. I don't say all. I think that you and I are in a place that we can say like, Lisa Lorenzo. Yeah. <laughs> you just speak to your husband. What is wrong with you today? We can do that. But man, when it's a serious conflict and you come to me and you show love, compassion, grace, it opens my ears. It so does. It really does. It's, and I've noticed that like with raising kids, you know, you, you're, you're going to discipline your child if you're immediately yelling at them or raising your voice or, or attacking you, you have a ten, your kids are going to shut down or your husband, if you're nagging, 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 or would you do this, do this, do this instead saying, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing X, Y, and Z. But would you help me with this? Or I would appreciate if you did this or whatever the, the case may be. It, you're going to get a much better response. I used to tell my kids that all the time, like it's all in your delivery. If you're going to ask me for something, it's going or want to do something or want to plead your case. It's going to depend on how you respond. Also in Proverbs 15, one, one of my favorite verses, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And I very rarely have a gentle answer. But it's amazing that when I'm offered that gentle answer, I can immediately see where I was headed. Yeah. 
Like, okay, you know, Jeanette's very good. Our friend Jeanette is very good at that with using humor. Yes. And if I'm getting worked up, because I tend to be an overly emotional person, I'm a recovering emotion addict. And so as I recover that and I'm heading down that trail, she'll say something funny and I'm like, okay, well, it's really not a big deal, you know? But she also, I was going to tell you that too, like having those people around you, she's always that person. And I strive to be that person that is not going to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And in a way that's not accusatory or condemning, it's very like, okay. And she'll bring you back to scripture. Like, well, you know, God's word says this. And I I want that to be my response. Like this God's word says this. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go ahead and read Ephesians four, verse 14 and 16. And it says, we go straight to the speak the truth in love period. And we just skip the rest of it, but it's so deep. But right before that, it talks about having unity in the faith and the knowledge of God becoming mature and attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then it goes on. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind and teaching by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful schemes. So instead of that, because we have the maturity, we have unity and the knowledge of God attaining the whole measure of Christ, then we're not going to be immature anymore. We're not going to be triggered by everything that happens to us. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. And then it says, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each of us do our part. Or it says in one version, it says each part does its work. So speaking the truth in love, it's, it's a work that we're called to. And it has purpose and the purpose is maturing us, glorifying God and holding us together, growing and building itself in love. Right. It's so true. And it's so different trying to resolve conflict between your believing friends, the body of Christ, and then the world. And it's so a big deal in our society now with the reason there's so much division is because we are not resolving conflict in love. We are trying to win our case rather than trying to win people for Jesus. I think that yeah. has a lot to do with the way we, we did, like you said, like we were saying earlier, we just want to be right. Just want to be right all the time. Yeah. I mean, I am all right all the time. I just want you to know that I'm right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Another thing we're going to talk about is seeking reconciliation and forgiveness. Now I want to say this because I just finished the Lisa Turkis book called good boundaries and goodbyes. And let me tell you, If you're a Christian, and if you're not, it's a book every one of us should read because it talks a lot about healthy boundaries, what they are, what they're not. And it talks about sometimes there has to be a goodbye when there's unrepented, continual sin, when you're constantly being attacked, lied to, whatever the, the attacking might be, there is a point, even in believers' lives, that you you can walk away. That you're called to walk away. And that's a sad part, but we are still called to forgive. Yeah. So let's talk about what that looks like. First of all, it's almost, I'm scared. I'm afraid to talk about it because I don't want to give believers everywhere justification to break friendships, marriages, families, grace and mercy reign. And we can be patient and have long suffering and pray and fast and wait on the Lord. 
But if it comes to a time that it's affecting you physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it's repetitive, right? Because I can make a mistake several times. We all do. Right. But when it's a conscious mistake that I'm repeating and I'm not sorry for it, then that's one of the indicators that this might be a place where you need a little bit of space. And a healthy boundary is not to control the other person, to manipulate the other person. Listen to what Lisa Turkis said. A healthy boundary is placed to protect the best you. Yeah. So if you're going to respond to what they're doing, because they're going to keep doing it, and you're going to respond in a way that doesn't honor and glorify God, you place that boundary there to protect your best self, your heart, and your testimony. Like, I need a little space from this person because I see that I keep falling into this when this happens. Right. Well, you can't control the other person. So how do we forgive somebody that's not sorry? Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's really difficult. I think that my grandmother years ago when she, her best friend for oh, 50 plus years was not a believer and there was just a lot of contention and conflict there. And I remember she used to say all the time, God, you know, God says that I can shake the dust off my feet and just keep on moving. And she, but she didn't. And she kept coming back and showing grace. And this woman actually on her deathbed gave her life to Jesus. However, there are situations like you were saying, and I've, I have relationships in my life that I have had to distance myself and they, the person doesn't have to know that I'm distancing myself. I just am not invested in that relationship because you can become a stumbling block because it, yeah. like you said, it does hurt your testimony and yeah. it is to protect that, which is in you, which you're responsible for that response. I mean, I told my kids all the time, it's not what you're saying. It's what you're saying and how it's affecting other people. Exactly. And at the end of the day, if there's an active shooter, Right. right. We're not going to stand around asking, hold hands and pray. Exactly. We're going to secure the borders and be safe. I hope they're very few and far between in my life because I'm a person that loves deeply. But um, there are times in our lives that we need to secure the borders and run for cover. And our covering is Jesus. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean we hold a grudge against them. That doesn't mean we slander them. That doesn't mean, you know, we, we have a mutual friend who's going through a terrible separation in her marriage, and yet you never hear that person speak poorly or even share, you know, horrific details that she endured because she's forgiven. Right. No longer access to her, but she's forgiven. She has turned that page. She has surrendered it to God. And not that this is a plug for Lisa Turkis, but her counselor made her write down a list of the people that she was holding a grudge against and what they had done. Right. And then one by one on a piece of paper, she went through each one. She got on her knees and she said, I forgive you for this in the name of Jesus. And where she could not bring herself to forgive, she put a red felt paper over it and she touched it. And she says, I don't feel that I can forgive you. However, in obedience to Christ, because the blood of Jesus covers your sin, I, out of obedience, choose to forgive you. And I cover this paper with the blood of Christ. Wow. It's true. And, and forgiving somebody, I mean, the act of forgiveness is the act. You say it until you believe it. Like love, love is an action. It's not an emotion. Forgiveness, it's not something you feel <laughs> until God says it. You know, you like, that's such a great picture of what you should do and say in obedience to Christ, I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm not going yes. to, I may not feel it right away. I may not feel, I don't want to go and hug this person and say, oh my gosh, I love you so much. But I am choosing to allow Christ, 
his forgiveness and the way that the grace that he's shown me to reign in the way that I treat others and in conflict or when they've harmed me or hurt me. You know, a lot of times when we stay in those relationships, it's, it's pride. I'm going to fix this person. I'm going to fix this relationship. And sometimes it's irreparable for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the other side, the happy side of that. Yay. There are people that will hurt us throughout our lives. And guess what? Ladies, we will hurt people throughout our lives as well. Intentionally, I hope not. Unintentionally, many times because of our own trauma, because of our own experience and harms and pain that we go through in our lives. But when we can choose to and God, we can run to God each time and bring it to God. My, somebody told me the other day they were hurt about something that was done. And, and it, it's, not a, it's not an act that causes a break in friendships. I told her, Take it on your knees, sit before the Lord and give it to him and overlook it because I think that that was out of their own hurt. You know, it wasn't done maliciously. This is just something you can tell that it's something insecurities of their own. Give it to God and then we can choose to live. And this is one story that I will never understand how he did. But if you read John chapter 13, you will see the humility of Christ as he washes the disciples feet. And I think what I tend to delete from my video on this occasion is that Judas was one of the people Yes, that Jesus washed his feet. Yep. Jesus bowed down and washed Judas stinking muddy feet with love and compassion. Yeah. Knowing that he was hours away of the biggest betrayal of his life. He treated him kindly. Yeah. And we don't know what people's end story is. It's so, so true. We can treat people kindly on the way. We don't know if that will lead them to repentance. Yeah. All of them were his enemy, really, you know, but Judas, he knew what was going to happen, but it's, it's true. If we could think like that, like I delete the same thing. It's so simple if in application, or it's so simple in theory, application, not so much. If we just think like that and remember that and go back to that actual instance in in scripture of him washing his enemy's feet, like how can this person that just annoyed me on group text, how can that bother me <laughs> when you look at the scope of what Jesus did and the and the, the things that he forgave me for on a daily basis and continues to? So I think humility, the Bible describes humility as the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 22, 4. So humility is, is such an important part of any relationship. There is this thing I found my study for this humility in scripture is the root is the Latin word humus, meaning of the earth. So to be humble is to be face down in the dirt, submitting to the authority of another without personal pride. This is the Christian's proper position before the Lord. Oh my gosh. Talk about humbling me. <laughs> I know. And think about that. That is God's view of our proper position should be before him. So I have a question, not for me and you, but for those listening, <laughs> what is your, what is your position looking like today? How are we walking in a way that God would view us as face down on the earth in humility Okay, so Philippians 2, verse 6 through 11 says, Who being in, in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death 
on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and, and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. I love that. It's amazing. And just before it, it says, it says, make your joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. And then what you read. So consider that he's telling us, I'm calling you in your relationship with others for you to be like this, like Jesus. He's not saying just be humble. And no, he's saying, I want you to do the same thing Jesus did. I want you to be Jesus to other people in your relationship. Does that mean you Lord over them? No, that means you're humble below. You lower yourself to God, recognizing God is above us. We are below Christ. So when we recognize where our place is and where our position is, it makes it so much easier to say, Lord, God, use me. Okay, well, humble yourself and go to this person hurting you and forgive them. Well, no, not that, Lord. You need to convict them. And, and you know, I want my table set before my enemies and anoint my head with oil. And that comes after humility. Exactly. And it's always, it's not what we I mean, when we do have to give an account, because we all will have to give an account, believers will have to give an account before God on that day. And it's not going to be, you're not going to say, be able to say, well, God, you know, they did this. So I did this. God is only going to hold you account for your response and how you treated others. And oh my gosh, that's so convicting. Yes, it's very convicting. And some of the ways, let's talk about some practical tips to cultivate humility. And one of them is recognizing, I think it's in James, that all good things come from God. So we don't, in and of ourselves, there's no good in us. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to hear. Wait, I'm a good person. Well, if you're a good person, then praise God, because he did that in you. (laughs) Right. Because the Bible teaches us that our hearts are all wicked. And if you think you're not wicked, then get to the grocery store when you're really hungry or your kids are hungry and wait in line an hour and let someone cut in front of you and see if you want to pay their groceries. Exactly. I can firmly say I'm going to err on the side of, uh, no, I wouldn't. I want to, (laughs) I want to be that person. And I mean, like, really, our world would be a completely different place if we just, even the context of our homes would be such a different place if we really did prostrate ourselves, you know, on our knees before anyone. And it doesn't have to be the denying yourself and putting yourself, yourself below, like you said, the others. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So again, we have this theme from Philippians where God is not changing, right? And we're not to be tossed to and fro. And now he's saying heavenly lights, it's not a shifting shadow. We're looking at the light, the light of the world. It's not like, oh, now there's a little darkness over here. No, when you're in Jesus, you're in the light. And I love this illustration given to me once about the cross. And it says, when you come to the cross and you look to the cross, you don't see a shadow because all you see is light. The light is behind you. Oh, that's so When you turn away from the cross, then you see your shadows. You see different distortions of light because you're not looking at the light. 
Wow. You cannot see a shadow behind you if you're looking towards the source of light. That is so good. Oh my goodness. I love that. I need to write that down. But it's such a great reminder for us that Jesus came down from the father of light. So when we recognize that everything that we have is from him, it brings a lot of humility. Because if I want to say that my, my success or my position or, you know, whatever I have, if I think I did it, that's where pride comes along. When you come with humility, not only that, but when you recognize that God gave you everything, you're more willing to share. True. Very true. Because it's not mine. doesn't belong to me. Never and did. If you need I'm willing to give you some. Yeah. They did this test in the streets of New York where they handed money to people who were very well-dressed. And just on the next block, they say, here, it's free money, free money. And they were like, what? And they took the money and they walked away and they laughed and they put it in their pocket. And on the next street, they had a homeless person asking for money. And do you know that the people that were the best dressed gave nothing? But when they gave homeless people the money or people that looked poor, even people who didn't know the homeless, these weren't their friends. The, another person on the next street said, do you have a dollar? They gave. Wow. So the ones that had the most gave the least. The one that had the least gave the most. Wow. Because of pride issue and humility, we're, we're willing to lay down our pride, to lay down our right to be correct, our right to be right, because we recognize that if there's any good in us, it comes from God. And God has been so gracious and loving that I want to be that person to somebody else. You can't have or think like what, like what we're talking about unless you are tethered to God through his word and through yeah. prayer. I know the way that I interact with people when it's off or it's, a direct reflection of where I am spiritually. Like you said, all of the, the halt, those at the acronym, if I'm hungry, what was the other ones? Afraid, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? Or tired. Or tired. Yep. Like if I'm any of those things, as well as not being tethered to God through waking up in the morning, for me, it's waking up in the morning and praying, doing my quiet time and, and diving into God's word. If I'm not doing that, I, I'm, I am not arming myself. I'm not building myself up so that I can face what is surely going to come every day. And how I react yeah. to that is it again, a direct reflection of where I'm at, where I'm at. Well, friends, we've run out of time today, but don't worry. We're going to come back next week with Shonda and finish our conversation about what conflict resolution should look like for believers. Thank you for joining us until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's faith with friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?